0: Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. What is the truth? What is the truth about Hunter Biden and the truth about censorship in social media? What's the truth about the flu shot? Are there really enough doses to go around? Stay tuned. We're going to find out the truth. Let's get to it. Do you think you get the truth? Do you get the truth from whatever source you use for news and information? Are you being censored? Is the information coming to you being censored? Is what you see on Facebook or on Twitter being curated by some unknown, unseen, unaccountable hand? Well, today there is fuel on the fire for conspiracy theorists, who say what you hear and what you read is not accurate. And all of it may turn out to be a big boost for Donald Trump. Coming up, we're going to be talking about the New York Post story on Hunter Biden and why it is it has now been blocked online. And what does it mean for free speech? When we decide, well, there's a, a, there's some set of guidelines over here that some, like I say, unaccountable group will apply, or is this long, long overdue because we have seen what misinformation and disinformation can do to politics, to leadership, to the world, to the ability to respond to a pandemic. The question over this hour is the following. Are you getting the truth? Whether it is from your social media feed about politics, or whether it is something as simple as, is there enough flu shot doses to go around? Because, depending on who you ask, everything is just hunky-dory, nothing to see here, please move along, or doctors are on the verge of having to make some very serious decisions about who gets a, a shot and who does not, who's at the highest risk. Because, coming up in the program, I'm going to present to you both sides of the argument, and allow you to weigh in what do you see have you tried to get a flu shot and perhaps more importantly as we move into flu season will you have you changed your mind this year D- gonna do something different than you have ever done before one way or the other your chance to weigh in and all of that as we try and figure out who is telling us the truth but but first, let's get to those numbers. We have 783 new cases in the last 24 hours. Again, I caution, I don't believe the numbers are accurate. I don't think we're seeing anything in any kind of real time. Very sad to report today we have an increase in deaths of five. That's significant enough for me to point out. I don't normally point out the death numbers. Uh, the test numbers are below 40,000, just shy of 40,000 at 39.9 and the pending number at 36.3. So still, even though we had been promised that we should be up to about 50,000 right above now, we're shy of that. And that pending number still remains stubbornly high and close to the testing number. And if you've listened to the program in the past, you know I talk quite a bit about how we have now changed the whole uh, protocol, obviously, for testing and who gets tested and how you get tested. And that testing number may actually be impacted by that. like It's just fewer people actually getting tested now because the messaging has changed. And like, okay, hold on. Don't come down here now. You don't need to. Get an appointment. We'll see you later. Here's the thing that really, really jumped out at me today, though. As I break down the public health unit numbers, Toronto, again, leads the pack with the most on the daily case numbers, and that's 239. You got Peel in there at 136. Obviously, both of those areas, including Ottawa as well, are in a modified stage, two. But check out this number, 127 for York Region. 127 on the daily number. And I know I just said I don't pay a ton of attention to the daily numbers, but I am looking at that York region trend, and it is not good. Here's another one that's not good. Hospitalization's up 22. You know, I think Ontario could use a new license plate. I don't know about you. I know we just went through this whole thing with the blue license plates. Remember back then in the before times when Doug Ford was angry about that? that we should be talking about positive things. Why are we focusing on the blue license plates? That's before the pandemic hit and Doug Ford became a bona fide folk hero. That was before that. <laughs> but here's you what I'm thinking. you are be kidding me. All right, All right Doug, thanks. Um, but here's what I'm thinking. Maybe we circle back and we get ourselves a new license plate with a new slogan on it, no longer yours to discover not any of that anymore. Place to grow. No, let's go with this. One step behind. Not one step beyond that great ska madness, uh, ska classic by Madness. One step. Be- no, not that one. One step behind. Because that seems to be where we are on the public health response. When I just told you there, 127 in York Region, is it going to take the local public health officer in York Region to send out a letter and go, ah, uh, hey, and then a week will go by before Dr. David Williams comes out and says, you know what we should do? We should probably move York into that too. Because that's obviously what we had in Toronto. So how much longer until York must join on modified stage two? And what about gyms? Have you seen this? So now, of course, gyms are all shut down in Toronto. Mine included. And I won't tell you, mine's a smaller, not a big chain, but it's a bigger gym. It's It's a gym. It's... It's, it's where I go to, you know, casually, you know, walk on a treadmill and pretend I worked out. That's where I go, but it's shut down. But you know what? It's got another location in Richmond Hill. And they're like, Hey, why don't you come on over here? Mm Hmm. Oh, what? Now you sure you got to use the app and the, you know, can't have more people than it's still the same protocol. But a number of other chains have been saying, well, we got people lined up. They're flooding in. They're flooding in there, New York region. Other regions, you know, people saying, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the restaurants, the patios and the restaurants in Halton region, Oakville, jammed. Why? Because you can still go there. So the worry is that we are still one step behind. And here's another example of why I think this should be on our license plate. But still talking about gyms, Right remember how the city of toronto didn't actually ask for all the gyms to be shut down it specifically asked for studios and you know like uh classes specific classes to be shut down but the government said no we're going to shut them down altogether in those areas but nowhere else meanwhile in hamilton At a spinning studio called Spinco, now we have almost 70 cases confirmed from an outbreak there. It it is such a big outbreak. It's been featured on CNN. I kid you not. 100 people exposed. And (laughs) here is the associate medical officer of health, Dr. Barbara Yaffe, asked about this yesterday
1: when it first came to my attention and I was in discussion with the local medical officer of health and associate, I I made recommendations that the public health measures team reconsider the the guidelines for bin cycle places and other kinds of gyms because that obviously, even though they followed guidelines, there was obviously significant transmission. So I think we do need to review the guidelines and that's in process.
0: Yeah, we're going to get around to that because here in Ontario... One step behind. Did you get that? Did you you parse that? I don't understand that. I did, Dr. Williams. She said that, well, hey, maybe you should actually change the recommendations to the local public health unit. But that hasn't happened. You know why? Because probably the local public health unit said, I think that's your job. That's under uh, that's under review. We're gonna get back on that. We're gonna we're just gonna wait till a couple of more spin studios in Richmond Hill and uh, you know there's a couple of those spin studios. Maybe, maybe one of those uh, goat yoga things out there in Oshawa. Uh, that thing is still running. There might be some kind of an outbreak at Goat Yoga, uh, and after that, we're definitely going to um, consider changing the recommendations one step behind welcome to ontario what is the meaning of free speech what is the meaning of a free dissemination of information where does the freedom of expression where is the line between that and spreading lies and disinformation especially in an election season And that topic is now front and center in the U.S. election campaign after a story in the New York Post. It's an unverified story about Hunter Biden, son of the presidential candidate uh, Joe Biden. And if you were to click the link on Twitter or try to retweet it, you wouldn't be able to because it came up with a warning that this story was potentially harmful. Now, because the New York Post story is based on email allegedly taken from an old laptop belonging to Hunter Biden, and because the story includes unredacted screenshots of the emails complete with personal email addresses, Twitter said the story violated its policy. That is the official word from Twitter, although the head of Twitter, the CEO, saying that their communication about that was terrible, Donald Trump as you might expect, reacted on Twitter. So terrible that Facebook and Twitter took down the story of smoking gun emails related to Squeepy, Sleepy Joe Biden and his son Hunter in the New York Post. It's the only the beginning for them. Donald Trump on Twitter in reaction to all of it. What does it all mean about freedom of speech and the American election? James Turk is the director of, at the Center for Free Expression and a professor in the Faculty of Communication at Ryerson University. And I'm pleased to welcome him to the program. Hi, James.
2: Hi, Alan. Thank you for inviting me.
0: When this story broke yesterday, first the Biden story came out, and then a few hours later, I watched this in real time on Twitter, all of a sudden it was blocked. What was your reaction to that?
2: Well, I mean, the context of this is we have a huge problem in that Disinformation, false information, misleading information is nothing new, but is able to be broadcast and circulated in an unprecedented way because of social media. So we're all wrestling with how to deal with that. And increasingly, the response of many, including many governments is well, it's up to Twitter and Facebook and uh, YouTube and Google to censor out the things that shouldn't be broadcast or shouldn't be shared. And I'm really worried about that. Um, I'm worried about censorship in general. I'm even more worried that we turn to private for-profit corporations to decide what the public can see and what the public can't see. So this is an instance of that issue.
0: You would agree that there, you know, in the Wild West of social media, that there needs to be some regulation of what can be disseminated?
2: Well, theoretically, yes. Uh, What we're learning, though, is it's virtually impossible to do. Because even when uh, Facebook, which rarely takes things down, because after all, remember, these companies make their money by being controversial, by having controversial content, by keeping eyes on their page. That's that's They make their money from the information they sell about us to advertisers and so forth. So they actually, their business model depends on having this controversial stuff. So they're not very good censors to begin with. They're quite arbitrary. Um And the problem with trying to get them to take it down is then it just reappears on other even less reputable sites. You know, the old cliche that once something's uh, on the Internet, it never disappears. And that's one of the realities. Uh, So it's a serious problem for us because there's a lot of horrible stuff. I mean, you may have heard the story that came out of Washington. I think it was this morning that uh, Trump um, has thrown his lot in with a group of. Uh, pretty disrespected scientists who say, well, the solution to coronavirus is herd immunity. Just let everybody get it. People who are going to die. Are going to die, and eventually it'll be so widespread. And then making claims, well, it only takes 10 or 20 percent of the people to get it, and so they're arguing against masks, against any lockdowns, and it's all bogus. But it's getting circulated. So what do we do about that? Uh, and the you know the reaction is in this case to say, well, you know, Facebook and Twitter and so on should take it down. A, that doesn't work. And so the only solution is we have to have other stuff to challenge it. I mean, at the end of the day, the protection of our society is through public discourse, through challenging false information, not through trying to censor it because we can't do it effectively with social media.
0: So then, my, my next question—I think you just answered there—which is that you would be absolutely opposed of taking it away from private companies and putting it in the hands of, let's say, the government.
2: Wait, well, I mean, you can't put it in the hands of the government. Um, I don't know what that would mean. Uh, the government. Let's say you make authority. it a panel.
0: You make it a arm's length panel. We're fond of those sort of things in this country.
2: Well, but that's just not practical. I mean, there are, I, I forget the figures, but there are some millions, if not a billion, posts every day on, on uh, Facebook. There are tens of thousands of hours of new uh, YouTube videos that go up daily. It's just impossible for that to be monitored by a government panel or, for that matter, by a private sector panel. So what can be done is they use uh, 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 artificial intelligence algorithms to do it. But then there's all sorts of biases that get built into that. So, I mean, the public has a very serious challenge right now because there's so much harmful misinformation circulating. And yet, the easy answer of turning and you know, saying, well, these private sector providers or the government should somehow prevent it from coming out is just not possible to do.
0: I'm speaking with James Turk, who is the director at the Center for Free Expression and a professor in the Faculty of Communication at Ryerson University. And the jumping-off point for this conversation is about a story that was published in the New York Post and then an interaction by Twitter and by Facebook. If you want more information about what that story actually contained and more of the back and forth in terms of what is truthful and what is false in that story, please go to globalnews.ca and just type in uh, Joe Biden Hunter email, and that story will come right up. And it takes you really right through exactly uh, what was in that story. But the, the fallout from it, James, what do you perceive that to be?
2: Well, I mean, the irony is, I mean, the story has been discredited, um, as, your, as your listeners will see if they go to the uh, site you just mentioned, that there were investigations by the media during the impeachment hearings, and even two Republican-led Senate committees investigated this and found there was no basis, that, that Joe Biden uh, did nothing wrong, so that it's a bogus story. Uh, the irony is that by taking it down, Twitter and Facebook, to the extent it restricted access, has actually drawn more attention to the story than it had done nothing. I mean, we're having this conversation because of their censorship. Uh, the New York Post story is getting coverage around the world in a way it never would have had they not censored it. So the irony is the attempt to take it down has only drawn more attention to it. And that's one of the other problems of censorship. It actually makes the situation worse.
0: Is this, you know, our acclimatizing ourselves in terms of a society to the realities of social media, and we sometimes often forget how new of a phenomenon it is in our lives. And as we acclimatize to it, is that the best defense, James, that just an education of the public to check sources, and that kind of thing?
2: Well, that's an important element. Um, You're absolutely right, Alan. Uh, Social media is new. Disinformation, propaganda, misleading conspiracy theories are not new. They go back hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, But what social media does, as I said at the beginning, is allows the distribution of these Ideas, harmful or false ideas, in a scale that is beyond imagination uh, before 10 years ago. Uh, So we just don't know how to deal with it. And there aren't any obvious solutions. So, in the absence of that, yes, more education, uh, getting competing voices out there, uh, trying to help the public understand that that they have to question anything they see in social media from any side and try to look at who the sources are and what the reliability is. Uh, but they're facing a huge challenge because the, the folks putting out this false media, false ideas, misleading information, can be corporations trying to sell a product, can be uh, politicos trying to push a particular point of view, mask what they're doing and make it look legitimate. So it's a huge challenge as a society, and it's a conversation we, like the conversation we're having now, where we have to, you know, name it as a problem and try to explore possible solutions to it. Uh, There just aren't any good ones on the horizon.
0: James, a fascinating conversation and such an absolutely vitally important topic. Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: Well, I appreciate you focusing on it because it is a vital, uh, vitally important one and public discussion of what to do about it is essential.
0: That is James Turk, director at the Center for Free Expression and a professor in the Faculty of Communication at Ryerson University the question is, are you going to get the flu shot? Have you tried to get the flu shot? Because you got the province saying, we got lots. No problem. You can get the flu shot. The Ontario Pharmacists Association on this radio station this morning saying, what is everybody freaking out about? It's fine. It's all good. You're just early. You just hear a little early. Just hold on. You know, about a month's time, everybody be fine. The shipments are coming in. And meanwhile, people are like, I want the flu shot and I want to run now. And if I don't get it, I'm coming back and I'm bringing my friends. I mean, we'll be socially distanced and wearing masks, but I'm bringing. So the call is to you for the call. 416-870-6400. Have you tried to get the flu shot? Is it much ado about nothing? Bill's on line four. Bill, did you get the flu shot?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Wife and I were over in uh, Ingersoll, Ontario, there on Saturday, Uh, signed outside the uh, shopper's drug mart there, walked right in, filled out the form. Ten minutes later, we each got the shot.
0: No problem. No wait, didn't have to call ahead for an appointment, nothing.
2: Nope. Walked right in, got the shot. That was it.
0: Thanks, Bill. Bill got in, got out. Nobody got hurt, just a slight pinch in the arm. Ruth Marie is on the line. Ruth Marie, have you got the flu shot?
1: Um, Alan, uh, yes, I have, uh, my doctor called me, I live in South Etobicoke and, uh, he called me, I just about fell off my chair and uh, I got the shot in my, uh, left arm and boy, did I, was it was sore and boy, did I ever feel rotten after I t- had it. But now, do you I'm normally the, get the flu shot? Do you normally get it? Well, I'll tell you, I'm a type one diabetic and I go to Mount Sinai and all diabetics usually do get the flu shot. So, but uh, this time, this one really did bother me. I don't like taking it, but I. Who knows? You know, it's.
0: What, what do you mean you don't like taking it? I,
1: we, I don't like taking the. I really don't know what is in there these days. Uh, oh,
0: okay. Okay. So let me just ask you this. Uh, you know, let's say you know two months from now they come out and they say we got a COVID vaccine. No. Are you going to take that?
1: No, because. I don't know what's in there unless it's being approved. And yeah, well, that's what I'm
0: saying. Like Health Canada, Teresa Tam says all good stamp of approval. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, you know, I you can I believe so much. I'm an advocate. I look at things seriously and I see things, and I don't believe everything they say because no, you, you, <laughs> the governments and a lot of them, and plus I'm a senior and they don't care about us anyways.
0: I well, I, I listen. I I'm gonna have to respectfully disagree. I, I know that one should well, not disagree with one's elders, although I'm
1: but, almost a senior now. Alan, you know, can I just say one more thing? At at Thanksgiving, nobody yeah. like I live in the Lamp area and storefront down in um, by the Humper River on the lakeshore. Nobody came or nobody phoned us because we have services here. I'm a young senior, uh, and. Nobody said, you know, we've got some things for you. Yet there was somebody on C24, one of the news fellows, on Saturday, or it was Sunday, I can't remember now. He said, well, there's a restaurateur that's packing up food and everything, and it's on uh, Kipling and Jutland. I drove up there. I didn't even see it there.
0: Hmm. All right, Ruth Marie, you you take care of yourself. Thank you so much for your call. All right. Thank you so much. appreciate that. Thank you, and please do take care. Uh, and, you know, just hearing that voice, here's what I'm going to say to you out there, folks. Uh, if you have somebody who is in a home, a senior, somebody in your life, reach out. I mean, yeah, no, you can't go over. And probably they're not going to be able to figure out Zoom. And you don't want to Zoom with them anyway, because that's awkward. But do give them a call. You know what? The older generation, they like phone calls. I know it's weird, but the thing that you carry around in your pocket. Um, to look at uh, Twitter and TikTok, actually actually contains a phone. I know maybe you don't know that. Let's get to uh, the callers again. And uh, Jim, Jim, are you going to get the flu shot? Have you tried to get to the flu shot? No,
2: how are you doing? Uh, no, I won't get the flu shot, and i never, ever tried to get the flu shot because from all my research, I can't find any percentage of success rate with what,
0: the flu what shot. Do you, what, what do you mean, all your research? I mean, I don't so, mean to be disrespectful, but...
2: No, like through the Freedom of, uh, of Canada Information Act, stuff right. like that. I'm not talking about well,
0: that. There's a lot, but I, I could, I mean, whatever research you have, I tell you what, I can I can double the research with like real medical journals, like real research.
2: Yeah, so it you works. What the percentage of, say, last 15 years of the success of a flu shot?
0: You know, I don't have that uh, right here uh, at my fingers, uh, but I'm just going to tell, tell, tell you. I'll tell you what my perspective is, Jim. Yeah, and I'll just tell you. Thank you. I, I do appreciate you call. Thanks. And I'll just tell I just tell you, everybody, my perspective. Cause I, listen, I understand people have different th- thoughts on the flu shot, and I understand that. But I get it. I get it every year. I do. I, if I can, I get it. And I'm going to try and get it again this year. I'm not wigging out because I can't get it in mid-October, because I happen to own a calendar. But, uh, you know, I do know that it, It does and can work. And I do also know that you can get it and still get a wicked bout of the flu. That does not mean it does not work. I recommend that everybody get it. I understand that not everybody feels that way. Judy is online, too. Judy, did you get the flu shot? Uh, Yes,
1: I did get the flu shot. Um, I went to Shoppers Drug Mart on Thursday, and I had no problem. There was only one person in front of me, and I mentioned to him I'm getting it before it all runs out, and he said, we have plenty. And my husband got it at the doctor's, and the doctor said, well, I'm glad you're getting the flu shot, and he had no problem either.
0: That's great, Judy. Appreciate that. So there you go. There's uh, another firsthand testimony that the flu shot is available and that all the jumping up and down about if there being a shortage right now might be a bunch about nothing. Uh, what do we – Andrew, though, is on line four. Andrew, you got a different perspective?
2: Uh, first of all, please, please, please remember, if you can't get it now, Alan, you're going to get there. Don't worry about not getting it between now and mid-October. I got mine last Saturday. But oh, here, you did? Here's the hitch, because there's always a hitch. You want to hear it? Yeah,
0: I, I, I like a hitch
2: of shoppers, no problem. But people in the line were turned back because they were elderly. Apparently, there's a separate strain uh, of the flu shot for older adults than there are for the rest of
0: us. Yeah, it's a high dosage for vulnerable populations. That's correct.
2: I, just quick question though: Can you tell me this because I know you're an expert on this, <laughs> Alan? Okay. Uh, like, I, and I thought she was attractive as hell over the radio. But if Rosemary's a young senior, does that make you and I old juniors?
0: Yeah, you know what? I I don't know. I just know that uh, I, I'm I've got a lot of experience. Let's just put it that way. Andrew, appreciate Good. your call. Thank you so much, Mike. Mike, you're on the line. Uh, you got? You did you get the flu shot, Mike?
2: I did. Uh, I went to my one shoppers. They ran out of it last week. I signed up online. Picked the two shoppers that were close to where I live in South And uh, the next day I got the text, this location had it, boom, went down. Now, I got there around 11. They said, if you're not over 65, come back after 12. I was there at 12.15, walked in, in and out in 10 minutes.
0: In and out, no problem, no lineup? No, no no problem, no. No issue? No issue. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. Well, I think we can take away from what we've been hearing that there is not much of an issue, even those... Who said that they've had to wait? Have said, well, yeah, you know, I didn't, couldn't get it the first time around, but I did get it. Well, wait a minute, Louise just popped up on the call line on line two. Louise, you're having trouble getting a shot.
2: Yes, Alan. Hi, I called my Shoppers Drug Mart in Aurora on um, the weekend. They said they have no doses of the high dose flu vaccine and they're putting people on a waiting list for that
1: and as far as the regular one they were taking appointments for november and i happened to get a cancellation for next week for my husband and i
0: well at least you're going to get it next next week so i mean I, i guess maybe the takeaway louise is that you know even though there might be a delay It's clear that it's on the way and it's coming. I appreciate that, Louise. Thank you. All right, that's all the time we have for calls today. Uh, I just, uh, really quickly before I run out of time here, uh, and I hope you will indulge me in this, uh, I just want to say a very happy birthday to my wife. It's my wife's birthday today. And, you know, she is, and no word of a lie, the smartest person I know. She's just... I mean, her taste in men is questionable, sure. But other than that, just very incredibly smart. And uh, she's just the love of my life. And I want to wish her a very happy birthday today. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch The Alan Carter Show weekdays beginning at noon.